You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Knife here with always typical Lydia today's show we're going to be doing the 2001 monster chase horror film Jeepers Creepers I just wanted to say Creepers like that yeah no it's warranted because it's not played up quite enough in this film I think they could have used the song Jeepers Creepers like 10 times more Mm -hmm. and this goes back to us talking about films that use songs out of context, good old cheerful songs or happy songs or songs that you are kind of innocuous and you put them in horror films and it, you know, takes on 10 different meanings. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, uh, me like, too. Or even outside of horror movies. And we mentioned it on a previous episode, like in 2001, where they take Daisy and make it the creepiest song in the oh, entire yeah. universe oh, yeah. forever yeah. and ever. Amen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They also... Don't use Cornfield quite enough, but one thing I do really love about this film and loved how we were coming out of Cujo and out of the countryside, the hot, sticky, gross, scary Oh countryside. my god, my shirt is sticking to my body. I could believe it. That's, that's, it's so gross, but so true. Um, <laughs> I, I wanted there to be even more Cornfield. Like what the beginning of Signs has more Cornfield oh, yeah. than this does. Oh man, does it ever. I know. Um, but that's, you know, with when he's in The Scarecrow, that's what stuck in my mind for this entire almost 20 years since this film came out. I likened it to Cornfields. Mm-hmm. And it's not entirely the second one sticking in my mind either. I only hope that the forthcoming third one has more Cornfield. More Cornfield. Um, the Jeepers Creepers has an indelible mark on the splatterpictures.net website. If you look at my very busy background that I photoshopped years ago, the creeper is in that sitting on his scarecrow, like just like all scarecrowed out. My most favorite pose of his. Yeah. It really, really is. And it harkens to the end of the second one as well, where mm-hmm. he sort of like has to get comfortable in that pose for quite some time, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, this particular film isn't exactly hillbilly horror, but no. it hits all those little buttons for me with like the rusty, creepy truck, which is a button also hit in some French extreme film. Like High Tension has this sort of feel to it as well. Mm-hmm. That grimy, gross, scary villain. And it being in the countryside, it's just perfect home for me. It really is. So there's a lot of things about this movie that pushes a lot of my little Lydia buttons. And they're little buttons, so you need little tiny spindly bony fingers to get at them. <laughs> the fingers you've used to dial are too fat to order a special dialing roll once. Please mash the keyboard now. <laughs> so you're talking about like the creepy truck. There was that film from the 1970s, Duel, that this opening sequence really reminds me of where that family is terrorized by an unseen person in a truck. And you almost think that that's where this film is going. If you didn't know, if you didn't watch any trailers whatsoever for this movie, you might think, oh, I see. It's like this creepy truck that has so much character. It looks like it was designed for like a twisted metal game. And that's what the menace of this 
movie is going to be an unseen person in a truck just trying to run this this pair of siblings off the road. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 has very similar aesthetic in its opening sequence as well and is one of my favorite opening sequences. We'll get to go on and on and on about that mm-hmm. not too many weeks from now. Oh my god. Come to think of it. Uh, but this it really reminded me a lot of that too. And you really think it's going to go to some sort of it's going to boil over within the first 15 minutes. You really think that they're in for it. They're going to get killed. And maybe the film will be flashback. Or maybe they'll get killed and, and kidnapped and they'll have to deal with the killer. But it doesn't go like that at all, which is kind of refreshing. It also reminds me of the opening sequence of Reflecting Skin, which is a whole totally different tack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That, like, desolate, tired. Lonely road. Lonely countryside. No one is around for miles to help you and you've got these predators in a car coming after you although reflecting skin is a little more predatorial because they're snatching children yeah yeah Yeah. yeah. now i don't know how many viewers have followed salva and watched clown house did you ever watch clown house i've never seen clown house no I enjoy it very, 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 very much. And maybe someday we'll review that film too, because I really like clown films. I know you do. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it, And it's a very valuable entry into the scary clown film. Very, very valuable entry into the scary clown film. And it's a very valuable entry into the psyche of Victor Salva, if you're the type of person to want to be an armchair psychologist and pick apart a director's brain. Mm-hmm. Did you find anything in viewing this, West? unnecessarily voyeuristic when it came to let's say justin long the only real male lead in this that is a younger fit good looking guy voyeuristic i think they're i mean voyeuristic i don't know there are long scenes where he is splayed out unconscious at the bottom of a corpse shaft that were his his um stomach's exposed he's got that very there's the tattoo on his stomach that the camera will linger on in several different points in the film it doesn't really strike me as overly sexual but it might just be because i find that tattoo kind of sexy yeah but also very uncharacteristic there's nothing about justin long's character that would make me think yeah that's definitely a dude that has a black rose tattoo around his navel and i'm always hesitant to say like well that's a very effeminine tattoo because i think that's bullshit i was like your tattoos are your tattoos and honestly aside from the fact that justin long seems like a dude that enjoys his toilet humor and rivalry with his sister um, has a very distinct sense of justice and right and wrong. He doesn't really, like, you don't know much else about him. So maybe he is the exact person that would have a black rose on his stomach. I don't know. Yeah. Overly voyeuristic? I mean, if you're looking for that, maybe. In my mind, it's not much different than the way women are treated on film and actually a lot more sanitized. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like... I, I can't imagine getting pulled away. And, and believe me, the only time where I'm saying... The only reason why I'm saying maybe is because I'm always so hesitant to be hard-lined yes or no on something. Because when people want to look for something, they'll find it. Yeah. If people go into something looking for the wrong answer, they'll find it. And with the past of Victor Salva, for those that don't know, because it's been all over and we're not really going to get too much into it, aside yes. from a little bit of my you know, opinion on these armchair psychologists and things like that, the... 
arrest after filming Clown, Clown House. While it was being screened, it, either Sickus or Cannes or somewhere, it was being screened somewhere, very, a very prestigious film festival. And he was in jail for sexually assaulting its male lead, who was at the time 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think that pedophilia is a, is a criminal charge. I think the criminal charge is sexual interference with a minor and sexual assault. Mm-hmm. I don't, there's no charge called rape, right? Mm-hmm. It's, there's a myriad of other charges that actually exist in the criminal codes. Pedophilia is a psychiatric diagnostic. Mm-hmm. It's not a criminal charge. So people saying that he's a convicted pedophile is kind of a misnomer to me, and always has been. On top of that, he's not necessarily a pedophile. He's a hippophile because his victim was not a prepubescent child. Mm-hmm. I don't know personally if he had hit puberty or not, but generally that uh, 10 to 15-year-old is where hippophiles are interested. We have a program here at the Royal Ottawa, the psychiatric hospital here has a program for reforming pedophiles about 100 men per year according to the news in the past couple years volunteer to be treated for their pedophilic hebophilic and infantophilic Mm -hmm. (laughs) infantophilia i think that's how you pronounce it for those tendencies sometimes they have a very high success rate actually because pedophilia is a mental disorder that, like any mental disorder, can be treated if the people are brave enough to go forward and get help. And although Salva did serve something like 19 months or something like that, he found, according to interview, and is very rare to be interviewed because you could imagine that the man is pilloried at every turn he takes. Even this Jeepers Creepers 3 casting was nearly kiboshed entirely because the union pulled out, from what I understand, they didn't People got wind that he was casting for Jeepers Creepers 3, to which Justin Long is attached, of course. So it's very rare that he is able to really talk about what he's doing in film because people do just string him up. And rightly so in some people's minds, wrongly so in some people's minds. Like I can't really make an opinion for anyone. But what he had to say about prison was, I was never more scared or closer to death than when I was in prison, he says. I received no therapy there. Prisons are not places for rehabilitation or learning to understand yourself or your actions. They are monster factories. And just that quote in and of itself to me says that he's very, very aware. And he's said in uh, what interviews he's given that he's very aware of what he did and what he did was wrong. And it seems that he's seek treatment. And people continue to work with him. People have nothing but nice things to say with him. I think it was Dark House that uh, Tobin Ballad worked with him and had nothing but nice things to say. Justin Long has nothing but nice things to say about him. So it seems to me that there's been a a certain level of reformation gone on there. So people, uh, not unfairly, but sort of ignorantly, planting so much blame on people who are fans of Jeepers Creepers franchise, fans of Victor Salva, saying that they're supporting pedophile is entirely wrong and really just painting everything with too wide and too dark a brush. I think, in my opinion. Because, of course, anything I'm saying right now is going to be taken to some ears like I'm defending a pedophile. And that's not necessarily the case because he's a hebophile and he's reformed to a certain extent. Mm. And who am I? You know, I'm not defending anybody. It, at the end of the day, it comes down to being able to watch, enjoy, review, or look forward to forthcoming films without being strung up alongside someone 
who committed a crime and has taken steps to fix themselves in 1989. In the few interviews, Victor Salva did say, it's not like I don't know the terrible ramifications of my actions. I've been very upfront with the family. I've been very upfront with everybody about what happened. I've done my time and I've paid my restitution. I've done everything possible. And going on to continue to create films, work with Disney, after a very long hiatus, which was no doubt full of therapy, soul searching, a very dark time. Don't think he wasn't beat to a fucking pulp in prison. Like, don't think he's got off of this scot-free and don't think he's not tormented as tormented as the victim is and continues to be. It's all dark and it's all bad, but why should we lock somebody away for life when they're willing to help other people help themselves and fix everything? Not erase anything, not at all, but make themselves a better person on this planet and make really fucking cool movies, which is something a lot of people don't even have the guts to have. So you gotta kind of hand it to them to have the guts to continue to carry on in light of his past. Well, that speaks to the fact that sometimes when creative people are creative people and they can't help themselves but make things. If he didn't have this dark past, he would still at his core want to be a filmmaker. And that he does have this dark past doesn't mean that he doesn't want to be a filmmaker anymore. First and foremost, before he had any type of mental illness or any run-ins with the law, he wanted to be a filmmaker. And it started, and it was something good. And he was filmmaking films from the time he was 12 years old, apparently. Yeah. So one of the diagnostic tools, and one of the things they found about hippophiles, uh, pedophiles, infantophiles, is that it tends to be when they were themselves assaulted sexually is sort of where they're locked in as well. So an infantophile was molested or sexually assaulted when they were a very young child from the age of zero to five. And uh, pedophiles tend to have been sexually assaulted or molested between the ages of five and 10. And then hemophiles, where Mr. Salva fits in, or used to fit in, is the just pubescent child uh, up to about 15 years old or pre-teenage, right? So around the time he began making films was probably maybe if he fits into that criteria around the time that something bad might have happened to him as well. So it's also the time he was making films. It would be very interesting to see, if any of it exists, things that were filmed pre-Clown House. Because Clown House is looked at as very voyeuristic and very hippophile-centric, the way that the young boys are portrayed and filmed. But then if you turn it around and be like, you know what, if he's really locked or was really locked in that sort of point of view as well, he was no doubt reenacting some things that might have happened to him. Unfortunately, it came to pass that he was enacting these things on his lead actor. So a lot of people are can't or refuse to look at it as a reflection of Salva's further be, like, earlier past. They're using it as a reflection of what was happening at that time, unfortunately. So that's sort of locked into the public mindset. Much like Jeepers Creepers 3 having problems because of things that were locked into the public mindset from 1989. In the meantime, he's made what, like 10 films? And mm -hmm. no one has had much to say about it? His last two films coming out in the last five years, no one had much to say about it? But Jeepers Creepers 3 started like a shitstorm of news. I'm always boo to shitstorms. And boo to online opinion. 
So it, it sort of set me ill at ease, especially being someone that looks forward to Jeepers Creepers 3. I don't know if I necessarily look forward to Jeepers Creepers 3. I can tell you this much. The Jeepers Creepers franchise has certainly always existed for me. Um, and, uh, you know, the first, the, even the first one that I saw, well, the first one in 2001, I mean, I was just like a te- uh, pimply-faced teen. So I didn't... Did I, you go to theater to see it? I did see it in the theater. That was a period of my life where friends and I would often go to the theaters in large groups. You know, when you're in high school, sometimes it could be you and eight of your closest friends are just going to the theater. You just sort of tear into that place like bats out of hell, watch the movie. Then we all go to McDonald's afterwards, get ourselves a fucking McFlurry, and then throw our lunch trays right in the trash because we're rebels and we don't give a fuck. That sounds like hell. That sounds like the sort of people I would sit very far away from in the theater. Lydia, this is why I've (laughs) talked to you, uh, never on the show, but always off the show, saying how you're one of my favorite people on planet Earth and I always consider you like the the big sister I always wanted with respects to my actual big sister. (laughs) Hi! (laughs) But uh, we would not have liked each other (laughs) in high school because I was... You know, I feel like there's I could have went one or two ways in my life and I and I shifted towards the horror fan and not so much to like the Oshega do bro. But but I could have easily been that guy. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah. There's threads of that running deep, deep within you, sir. Mm-hmm. I believe that I rented this film, but I know many people at Salton Theater. A lot of my yeah. friends went in Salton Theater because I think it was one of those things people were holding out for the next big thing, the next big villain, the next big scary movie that would actually scare you the way that people flock to see Saw. This movie was coming out at a time where where flicks like Saw were coming out where, you know, going to the movies in the theaters, my horror films when I was a, a, a young teenager that you went to go see with all your friends, that was the Scream franchise, that was I Know What You Did Last Summer, that was Urban Legend um, and saw and jeepers creepers and any other film that was coming out in and around this time so it had that glossy horror sheen of the big horror movies that were coming out into the theaters at that time with the exception of saw but that is it was an independent film and kind of not really part of like the big bloated budget discussion Mm -hmm. um you know jeepers creepers at its core is an effects film and not only that is a lot of cgi because that's just what was happening at that time, right? So, and even though this movie doesn't have a massive bloated budget, we're not talking about a $25 million horror film, listeners. We're talking about about $10 bucks. And when, to say an effects film, it, it does showcase its effects, but subtly and pretty flawlessly and very organically. It's not like set piece after set piece after set. No, piece no, 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 no. I don't want face. people. I don't want people yeah. to think that I'm describing a Van Helsing or a or, or an underworld. I'm not. It's not that. Yeah. It, like, but um, it definitely is a, a movie that conceits lie on the fact that this is a like a monster, right? And yeah. so they're gonna use all of the tools available to it. How do you just all of a sudden give something wings, for example? It's like, well, you just put it digitally because that's going to look the best at the time. Now you look back on it, it looks a little dated, but there's other aspects of this film that um, really kind of make me smile just in terms of 
the era in which it came out of and how at the time nothing really seemed weird. It's all very anachronistic. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern life. This is this is what it's like. And then you look back on 2001 and you're like, it doesn't even feel like that long ago. But there are just hallmarks. And one of them in particular. So we'll get into the flick. So what we have here is we have two siblings driving down a lonely road. And they're going home from college and... With stinky laundry and shitty boyfriend stories and everything. Oh, yeah, 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 it's absolutely. The film stars Justin Long, as we've been talking about. And he is just driving along. And he, he has this weird game with his sister where they seem to be sort of shouting out license plates and trying to make them think that they say things. You know what I'm saying? Like like mad gab sort of thing. What is that game that's like that where you're given like a jumble of words and you have to make a word out of it? Either way. Does that strike you as a normal? Did you play these games in the car and stuff like that? I played the game with my siblings in the car as everyone sits there quietly and is annoyed that we're all in the car for so long. That sounds like a fun game. I, there's one time... I remember as a kid... When you're a kid, everything seems like it takes twice as long, right? You know, it's like we have that um, that perception of time because, you know, you look at if you're five years old, two and a half years is half of your life. So it seems like a fucking lifetime. That's why summers seemed longer when we were kids and, and all that type of shit. So a five hour drive to Toronto may as well have been a six month excursion at sea, picking weevils out of our fucking biscuits and drinking urine. Like it just seemed like you just cannot fucking stand being in a car that long and even something as small as an hour and 15 hour and 20 minute drive to my cottage seemed like a for fucking ever. These guys are driving for tens of hours down this fucking road. It always just seems like they're never getting where they need to go because they always just drop little hints that this is like a hundred miles from here or we're it's going to, we're going to be on the road for hours. We haven't seen anyone for hours like that type of shit. Which is weird because they're driving through Florida, which is like the tippity tip, 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 tip. Of the U.S. And, yeah. like, they must have been driving out of Florida for a very, very long time. Sure, it's a long state, but is there, like, this one deserty highway? Like, I don't know much about Florida, except I never, ever want to go anywhere near there. But it, you're right. It is, like, seems like this long, arduous trek they're on, much longer than when you were a kid. Oh, my like, God. We had magnetic travel chests and stuff like that to play if we really wanted to. We, paint by numbers. We had, we brought stuff into the car, but it always just kind of came into things that we would just hold in our hand quietly and just be miserable. I used to get car sick a lot, too. Me, so. too. I couldn't read in a car, and that's when I discovered the vertigo problem. Mm-hmm. But with my parents, as soon as we'd start not playing games or paint by numbers and start getting on each other's nerves or playing like loud games like that they'd be like oh you better look for deer kids there's a lot of deer around here keep your eyes out for deer be quiet and look for deer yeah and that's what we did and i still actually do that um when i'm on long car rides or on my bus commute in the morning i'll be looking for groundhogs or deer or foxes or wolves because that's what i was trained to do on long car rides to keep me quiet great trick dad <laughs> But yeah, it, it struck me as trying a little too hard with this particular game. It works with the narrative, yeah. But this, they're too into it for older siblings. It seems to... I, I agree. The dialogue seems strange. It seems like they might be 12 years old or 13 years old. They're very obsessive about rules the of these made-up games that they've clearly been playing since they were children. Mm-hmm. And they're very competitive with each other. 
there's moments where they're trying to talk to each other. Uh, uh, Patricia, that's the, the, the sister who I, who strikes me as an older sister, but I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, Darius is who Justin Long is playing Dari. Uh, Darius sounds better to me. Dari sounds weird, but um, he, uh, she, she has been dating somebody and he, he's prodding her, probing her, trying to figure out, you know, mom's going to be wondering why you're this great boyfriend of yours is, is not present. Why are you getting a ride home with your goony brother? And she doesn't really want to talk about it. He seems kind of concerned, but then he kind of descends into teasing her about it. And so I was like, okay, they clearly like each other, but it's definitely that like punch each other in the arm type fucking relationship. I never had that type of relationship with my siblings. Me and my brother used to roughhouse a little bit and we would definitely tease each other, but it wasn't, well, I never, I never really had that type. Cause to me, it almost seems like it, it seems like too much energy, too much fucking energy. And maybe it's because I've never really felt insanely close with my siblings, especially as we've grown older and we've grown apart. But so, like, to me, I'm like, I can't tell if this is they like each other and they're super close or they barely tolerate each other and are not close. Like, I have a, I'm having yeah, a hard time. a great way to not talk about things is to play the stupid game. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. just sit in silence and they're sort of cruising around the radio and shit like that. But all of a sudden, and we see it coming. And actually, I quite enjoy this shot of this truck coming down because it, it, it's one of those things where we're waiting for characters to catch up to what we see coming and we're like yeah. oh my god look look the other way look at the other way look at the other way look at the other way they use this technique later in a way more loud insane tense scene too but this sequence is classic oh, yeah. and when people you were saying that you had read people describing this as the scariest opening sequence ever yeah we were sort of like huh i was trying to figure out the opening half hour yeah because because the truck comes like like 10 15 minutes into the when you when somebody says opening sequence to me i'm thinking pre-credits or during the credits or the or, first 10 minutes max yeah yeah and, and like so by this time i'm like that's not the opening sequence dude the opening sequence is is these two characters talking about license plates yeah. which it, whatever it works but it, like i'm not saying it's a boring opening sequence but i'm not saying that the the car hitting the back of them is uh, is the opening sequence it's not and so it smacks the back of them. And then all of a sudden, they're really, really uh, tense. This is where like, I'm getting frustrated watching Justin Long drive because he's like, I'm trying. I'm trying to, to get around him. I'm trying to like let him pass. I'm like, you're not trying, though. You're doing the worst job ever. Drive, yeah. Pull to the side of the road. Stop swerving yeah. from one end of the road to the other. It doesn't make any fucking sense. No, it doesn't. I totally agree. <laughs> but it's a lot more cinematic than him if he had like calmly slowed down, signaled like, to the right. Oh, that car off. wants to pass me. Ding, 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 yeah. ding. I shall let it. <laughs> that definitely gets everyone's blood pumping in the car. And by everyone, I just mean the two of them. And <laughs> then they continue on their way because that was scary, but we're done. Yeah. And they notice a license plate. Oh, yeah. Beating you. Beating you. So they get to continue playing their stupid game. Yeah. And aside from the tension that is now just washing away from them, mm -hmm. they have their little game and they continue on down the road. Mm -hmm. Which is what that is. That is literally just a tension breaker. Yeah. When they're driving down along the road, they go past this. It looks like an old uh, farmhouse, but what it actually is is an old abandoned church. My favorite. It's actually really cool. I wish... I wish we spent more time in the actual church part. Me too. And I would like to move in there and live forever and ever. Um, 
no doubt you've driven past a million of these dilapidated looking houses in the countryside and been oh, like, yeah. oh, cool, I want to like poke oh, around yeah. in there. The, the, the ones that look like they're on the verge of falling down. Yeah, and you're visually poking around in there when you drive by. Yeah, you're you're like, like, oh my God, okay, what was this place? And is there anyone living there? And what's on the outside? And is that abandoned car like usable? Like, does it have current plates like Mm -hmm. can i see into any of the windows you're being that asshole when you drive by and that's exactly what they're doing whether they would have noticed the truck or not i think they would have given this place a little visual shakedown anyway Mm -hmm. but on their visual shakedown they see the truck of course and it's soon to be known as the creeper Mm -hmm. i guess we'd just call him the driver of the beating you truck now Mm -hmm. yeah he's got a he's got a cool look about him long uh dusty brown shredded trench coat a big old floppy hat it's not a fedora i was gonna say fedora it's not a fedora it's a looks like a cowboy hat but it's like the floppy sad cowboy hat like he's like a fucking prospector on a donkey and i don't know he looks like somebody from the dark tower series oh yeah you know what that's a good call yeah he does look like someone from the dark tower series uh, if we haven't got enough fucking Stephen King already, not quite. We'll just let it trickle through. We'll just yeah, yeah, let yeah. it trickle through. <laughs> um, beforehand, the truck makes Patricia remember something that happened in their past. Uh, this sort of legend that looms large to at least their circle of people from that area, even though Justin Long will d- uh, tell her that that happened 100 miles from here. And it was in 1978, so it wasn't like a norm, like a thing that was in there fresh in their memory. Yeah, it wasn't. But it must have been like a story they were told over and over, and mm-hmm. they must have known somebody that was related to them or something. Oh, it's a classic story about people who are on their way to, what, prom? And then they go missing, and then they never find the boyfriend, and they... Never f- and they find the woman's body, but they don't find her head. Trish even goes so far as to think, say that she's been thinking all of her life that she would think that this would be the highway she would die on. Mm. What a fucked up thing to say. Yeah. Then again, I don't know. Be- I, there's often times where I'm at work and I think I'm going to die in that building. Like I just have like this sneaking. So I, I, you know what? I tell people it so often that I actually kind of want to die in the building because I want to die in the building. And then people say like, you know, for years he said he was going to die in this building and he was right. Well, that's fitting though. You, it was fitting for you to die at work. This is a highway she's maybe driven down like a handful of times in her life. It's true. And she often thinks she's going to die on that highway. Okay. It's a possibility that she heard that story as a young girl and then her imagination would run wild and think that she was next Almost like a Wolf Creek style thing, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, she gets a pass. <laughs> now that you've explained it all to me. So they're checking out this house, or this abandoned church, as we know it is, with all the lovely crows that hang out on it. And oh, it the creeper great. is carrying a bundle, what looks to be a body wrapped in sheets and covered in blood. Yeah. And he just sort of shoves it down this random tube that happens to be sticking out of the property by the house. Effortlessly, I might add. That dude hucks a couple of bodies in there like they're fucking like garbage bags full of laundry. Like <laughs> Not even garbage bags full of laundry. Like garbage bags full of leaves. He is tough. He's a tough big guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Scary as fuck. Like, if... This truck looks like, if, like I said, it looks like a fucking twisted metal truck. It looks like a, a thing where you're trying to create a truck that scares you. And then when you look at that truck and you're like, what kind of guy would be driving that truck? That guy. That is exactly who is fucking driving that truck. You know what I'm saying? And what would he be doing with a truck like that? Well, carrying dead bodies around, obs. Like, mm-hmm. that's what he's doing with it. And of course, they're not 
under any misconceptions. They know what they just fucking saw. I don't know, man. What would you do? Would you, like, call the cops? It's the era of cell phones now, so we'd just go be like, boop, 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 and have the police there. If we're really concerned, we're really convinced that this guy is carrying bodies around, right? Like, they come back and investigate. Mm -hmm. But, of course, the creeper has seen them see him. Oh, absolutely. He fucking stops what he's doing and just takes like a like a fucking action figure stance like he's a G.I. Joe and stares out the road as they pass. Next thing you know, he's back in his fucking truck and he's peeling after them like crazy. Yeah. And he goes to run them off the road and then just keeps on driving. At this point in the film, it's really strange because you think, logically speaking, if this guy saw them, saw him do exactly what the fuck he was doing and then attempt to drive them off the road you think where's he going yeah they should be dead now yeah Yeah. why is he not they need to run run motherfucker because this guy is just going to turn his truck around and get out of his car and do to you what he has done to people already but that doesn't happen and they have time to fix their car you know what's the greatest thing about this and this is what this uh shit about wow 2001 it's adorable because as they're getting chased justin long says there's two things that happen in this sequence where I'm like, oh my god, this movie's so dated now. One, where is your, do you, where's your uh, phone? It's in my bag in the back seat. No, I'm sorry. It's 2016 now. No one's car is in their back seat. It's on them. It's touching their flesh. That's we sleep with it by our heads. I'm not everyone, but like me, I feel like my heart will stop if I'm not holding my phone at all fucking times. And so I'm like, now that's adorable because who puts like cellular phone back seat in a laundry bag for you? That's where that goes. Well, I've traveled like that definitely, so no. I don't find that. A, a date, a thing that dates this film whatsoever. I find it. I find but you, it, yes, are attached to your phone. Find I find it dates this movie. And the second thing is, it's out of batteries. It's like low battery. And then Trish turns to him and says, "What's the point of having a mobile phone if you let it die?" I'm like, mobile phone. Yeah. It, like she may as well have said automobile. <laughs> <laughs> ah, let us stop at this delicatessen. <laughs> well, I don't know. Some people still talk like that. I've had people hipsters, ask hipsters talk the, like that. I've had no, like, and older people too. People ask to see the telephone directory. <laughs> Not that long ago, Prussian ambassador in Siam. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but it happens, so I don't find that too. I found it like glaring. It's like mobile phone. No one calls it a mobile phone. Well, you're also such a modern man and you look up for these things. Me, I am like trapped outside of time. And (laughs) these things don't really hit on me too much. Uh, A rotary dial phone, however, I will notice. You know, I I would notice that too, but I would find it less funny if I just saw some chick like roll up with like a big old Perry Mason phone and just start fucking like rotary. I'd be like, ah, whatever. It's like an old timey area. They're in the backwoods. Backwoods. They're... They're in the countryside. All right, people still have rotary phones. It's just the use of the phrase mobile phone just seems so funny to me. It's weird that they get gutsy right here and go back to the house. Like, what the fuck are they thinking? So I would have come down extremely hard on this scene because it's ridiculous. You have two college-aged siblings who are not... 
you're not cops. You're not equipped to deal with this thing. You've never dealt with anything like this. Even if it's just a murderer, a run-of-the-mill murderer, you have not dealt with this. You're not from here. No one's around. Your cell phone is dead. He's already after you. He's already run you off the road. Go. Leave. Yeah. This is where Justin Long's character of Darius pokes in with what I think is not a foolproof ironclad argument, but a compelling enough argument that I am eased into it and I don't care anymore. I'm like, all right, fine. This is what we're doing. He says, we know what we saw. What if it was you? Yeah. What if, what if we get, what if they're still alive? Which is what you would be saying to yourself on your couch being like, if they hadn't thrown that line out there, you'd be like, Oh my God, this is the stupidest thing. I hate horror films that make these decisions totally irrational. And then you're like, okay, I want to continue watching this film. I'm going to suspend disbelief. How am I going to do that? What if this were someone, what if I were worried this was someone I knew? Because that's what you'd be saying to yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's very smart writing. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't spend a lot of time setting us up for that believability. It's just a little tiny line that you're like, okay, okay, yeah, sure. He gets a pass. And, of course, it leads into some of my favorite sequences in this opening of this film. So, of course, he gets a huge pass because as soon as we end up down that tube, I'm in. I'm stoked. I love this. I'm glad they came back. Yeah, I'm glad they came back too. And and I think that uh, Darius's argument is good enough because the, the 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 sister Trish is saying what us the audience would be saying. No, are you crazy? Are you crazy? Let's go call the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's when you know that it's more than just like I'm super curious. I want to take a look because she even says like you just want to go in like this little adventure. This is what you want to do. You're absolutely out of your mind. You're and, and almost accusing him of thrill seeking or not understanding the gravity of the situation whereas he turns that on her and says, "No, I absolutely understand the gravity of this situation. That is why we have to go back because wouldn't you want someone to help you?" And so I'm like, "All right, we're in." And so they definitely go back to that shaft. Now, they have the worst fucking plan of anyone imaginable because when they get there and realize the depths of this tube and no one's around, but they can't really see anything. They feel like they might be able to hear something. Trish isn't convinced, though, mainly because she wants to get the fuck out of there. Okay, we got to the tube. We looked down the tube. Can we please leave? Justin uh, Long's character fucking goes down and gets her to hold his him by the ankles. He's just trying to get a better look. This is weird to me because the shaft is so long. I don't even see how the difference of five feet might make things a little bit more visible for you. Well, he was thinking he could hear something too, so maybe it said he wanted to be closer to hear whatever it was better. It's possible. But either way, of course rats start spilling out of the tube scare everybody yeah and she lets go of his ankles and he takes a ride down this filthy tube yeah which i love yeah this is where i start loving this film yeah his clothes get completely shredded uh, completely shredded his shirt gets shredded he's fucking filthy and he hits the ground and now the 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 concern of we've seen these siblings interact with each other they've been biting at each other they've been acting not nasty towards each other, but this time you definitely hear some genuine concern out of his sister because she dropped him. She dropped him. She got scared and she dropped him. And now how the fuck is he even supposed to get out of there? Now, this starts... 
some of my favorite Justin Long acting sequences, which happen several times in this movie, where this motherfucker just has wide-eyed, mouth-agaped fear on his face without dialogue for extended periods of time as the camera just focuses on his face. <laughs> it's just, it is so funny to me. But I don't know exactly why it's making me laugh. Maybe because of the maybe because of the fact that this might be a role of don't really say anything, be super scared, you're one of the main characters. Maybe this is a role that more traditionally would be put into a woman. So uh, like um like a female actress would would be doing and so maybe like my brain is like, "Oh yeah, no, that's totally normal." Just sitting there scared like with no facial expression. But when Justin Long's doing it, it's like, "Well, that looks weird." It doesn't look weird to me at all, so it's really weird to hear. But I've never really watched this film with people or talked about it with people ever before. Mm-hmm. So I mostly just listened to people talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's never struck me as odd at all. So it's it's weird that you're laughing too, but whatever. I mean, if you it, it strikes me as funny. He sees a body down there for sure. They were not wrong, and this is like first of all, there's no way that they could be wrong. It was the middle of the fucking afternoon, yeah, and it was very obviously bloodied bodies wrapped up in the fucking uh, tarps. Not tarps, like, uh, like yeah, or burlap or whatever the fuck. Yeah, like drop cloths. More like yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love this scene because it is super tense, and I'm gonna I'm gonna rewatch it for like the what tenth fucking time now to just look focus on his face and see if I can find anything <clears throat> that doesn't quite fit there because I think it worked very very well for me. But then being a girl and seeing women put in that position, I'm very very used like constantly, to that. right? Yeah. Constantly, right? Yeah. That's one thing I love about this film. Yeah. Is that and, and 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 believe me, I'm not I'm not coming down on Justin Long's performance. What oh, I'm yeah. saying is is what is he is acting. Very scared, very physically scared, but not like trembling. But but like typically speaking, like like our male uh, actors in these horror films, it always kind of comes off as like you're still they're still kind of steely jawed, unless they're like the jokey character. Yeah, I think that's part of what your your discomfort is when you're watching is that you're waiting for a one liner, you're waiting for a good or maybe a subtle hipstery Mac joke or something to <laughs> boil out of his mouth. Well, yeah, I think so. You're waiting for some sort of levity. Like, too, like, but... like I'm waiting for John, uh, um, John Hodgman to come out of the fucking corner and be like, and I'm a PC. Yeah. That or him to be on the opposite and play the manly man thing and like tie a red bandana around his forehead and whip out a gun and be like, fuck this dead body and blast it to smithereens. Yeah. Or something. Like, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I'm sure you're not alone because there's people that that make or that poke fun at this movie for that. That or count everything he does as hypersexualized and pedophilic and all this shit. Um but I mean him, if you're attracted to Justin Long, maybe, but no, I'm so attra- I'm allowed to be attracted to Justin Long now, right? Yeah, that's true. Think, like in the status quo. Yeah. Now him reaching out and touching this bag is super tense scene and very, very well directed, mm-hmm. I feel. Because that's the same way that I would approach like a a live trap that's covered by a tarp that has a dead or alive Schrodinger's animal in it. Or <laughs> like a, a dead thing, you know? Or a bundle. Me and a friend approached a bag that was covered in flies and smelt like death that, well, there was like about six garbage bags in the middle of the bush um, that were seeping and flies and smelt and of course us being the kind of girls we were we came up to it with a switchblade to cut one of them open to see what it was it was a bunch of deer legs and deer heads from poachers um but the minutes leading up to what was in the bags you know 
we definitely thought, well, what if it's bodies? What are we going to do? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, the same thing we're going to do if it's anything else. It could just be garbage at this rate. It's just flies and smells. Someone could have thrown out a couple things of ground beef, right? Yeah. So it was that same feeling. So I've sort of been there before, but not down a tube on a maniac's property, mm-hmm. which is heightens the stakes, right? Mm-hmm. I really love this scene. And to find the person in there, this gentleman that's in there, has a fucking horribly, crudely stitched up Y incision and is not quite dead. Yeah. Fucking crazy. Yeah. I love this scene. This person is gray, sunken in eyes. He's got this horrible scar. He's trying to whisper something to Darius. I think he's saying run. I think he's saying. I'm I'm convinced he's saying run. And with his last breaths, he tries to say run, bring him closer to make him understand. But of course, uh, the wound is too grave, and he was brought down. He was tossed down there to die, and then become part of the aesthetics. And yet, my love for the scene grows Mm -hmm. like the giant cathedral cavernous body pit that he's in. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like what my heart looks like from the inside. I church think. of pain. Yeah, house of pain. House of pain. Yeah, I want to say church because it's in a church. It is like in a church. I wish it was the church of pain because that sounds hardcore. Doesn't it? I would worship in a church of pain. Fuck yeah! I listened to a band called Church of Pain far before you'd listen to House of Pain. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one down jump there is up, jumping jump around. Yeah. <laughs> no one in this cathedral is jumping around. That's for sure. <laughs> I love the look. And it's different, you know. I kind of like, Headless has a good body pit scene, but everyone's like on the floor and, and goopy. This is like the reverse body pit where everyone's up on the walls and dried out. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a lot of um, like owl pellets. You ever dissect owl pellets in school? I've never. I've never just done. for fun on No, weekends? well, I remember, well, no, but uh, we found some, we looked at some when I was at the uh, McSkimming farm. Okay. Uh, here in Ottawa for like a class trip in elementary school, but I know I never really. Animals have hoarding behaviors, and owls, of course, do that whole thing where they barf up the desiccated remains of the mice they eat or whatever it is they eat into those little pellets with all the bones and stuff in it. So it reminds me of those dried out little things, dried out little corpses that you would find of things that aren't uh, edible or if, um, a cat or something that hunts. Uh, get sort of like the pick of the litter and they can take out all the sweetmeats they like and they end up, they tend to leave a lot of the corpse behind to just dry out and, and rot away. It's super gross. But crows do have this hoarding thing where they will keep animals like they'll like collect large spiders and small birds and like rodents and stuff that they might want to eat later or like pizza rinds or whatever the hell crows eat in the city. And they'll hoard them and hide them in these little places or let the meat get softer so they can tear it apart easier and stuff like that. So that's with all the crow imagery surrounding the creature, the creeper. This fits so perfectly into its animal behaviors. Mm -hmm. I wish that the animal angle of the creeper were studied. But of course, us being people, we're going to try and look to study as much as we can of its human qualities. And it does have a lot of those. It's fully functioning humanoid-ish type creature. But I would love to look more onto its animal Mm -hmm. behaviors for sure. And this cathedral of pain. (laughs) (laughs) It's a reverse body pit that I love so much Mm -hmm. is a really good example of that. And it's crazy because when you're looking at the scene, you're you're just trying to think like, 
fuck, there's got to be like 50 bodies here. And then when you find out what, when it keeps panning back, you're like, 100 bodies? How many dead people are here? And how is this preserved? You see that there are tubes, beakers, things that are down there that are all covered in cobwebs and shit. And you think, okay, well, this is probably, there's a process here of preserving these people immaculately. I think um, he just licks them all over and yeah. lets them dry out with this weird acidic spit. It's possible. Now, what do we find down there just as Justin Long is just wide-eyed, mouth-agaped, staring at this fucking wall of absolute horror? We see our a couple that he kind of recognizes. Not physically, but he sees that they're sewn together and he sees that one of them has a class ring that he recognizes and one of them has a severed head that has been crudely reattached. Pretty interesting. Kind of makes you think that maybe all these years later, this legend that loomed large on this highway has been solved by him. There's the bodies that everyone was talking about. That his sister mentioned in the film about, oh, 30 minutes ago. Which is awesome. I love this. And it could be like a really effective short right here, even with the destruction of the church, too. Because they do escape and go for help. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It, 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 this is a, like Darius's plan is for his sister to go sit out by the road and flag down anyone who might be able to help them. And if it's the guy that comes back, then to go to him and run. Because uh, uh, Darius. Uh, surmises that this basement is connected to the church and therefore he can probably get out by going through the church. I wish that we had done that. Yeah, I love those journeys in the underground. That's really an end of the film thing. It is the end of the film. Chains of Massacre. Yeah, House of Thousand Corpses, something like that. And and I agree, I would have uh, end of the film, but I would have liked to have been... This is going to... This is going to get into my main problem with this film... And and uh, and I do like this movie, and I like elements about it. But man, there's elements that I do not care for, and one of them is, this is your set. Why are we leaving this place? Ah, I'm fine with it. I would have, like I said, like this as a short right here. I really like this. And then all of a sudden, like they they go get help, come back, the church is on fire, and that would be the end of the story. And it's like the creeper lives to creep another day, mm-hmm. and he's gonna build another pit of bodies somewhere. Lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I, it's very stark between acts. Very, mm-hmm. very stark. Almost like a different film. Yeah. Yeah. But I like it. You don't. Uh, like, I'm telling you, the problem is, is there's so much potential. There's so much work done. I want to spend more time with all of this work. I want to spend more time with... You have built a mythos with this cathedral of pain. You yeah. have... This wonderful set of this dilapidated church that we don't even get to see the inside of. And so I want to spend more time there. You have an, a very small, isolated cast. Here's a brother and a sister. You have a killer. Maybe if you want to up the body count, have a couple, like, have some, like, uh, stray flies. So we go from exploitation style slasher yeah. in the countryside, somewhat hillbilly horror to uh, David Lynch, Twin Peaks, d- diner mystery with holy, cops. <laughs> holy fuck. And let me tell you, do you get... So they eventually they escape and, and, and shit after 
it's a pretty good jump scare because uh, Trish is waiting for this truck and we see a truck blurred in the distance. Looks brown, looks fucked up. Oh shit. Look, turn around, turn around, turn around. That's the truck. She bolts into her car, which by the way is barely working now. Yeah. It's just gotten so much damage. Her stick is uh, sticking. Just grinding gears. Grinding gears, horrible. yeah, basically. Yeah, her transmission's fucked. That yeah. rad's fucked. Yeah, like the fucked. car, the car is driving, but fuck it. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? It's, it looks, it seems like it's always on the verge of just spitting its innards all over the fucking highway. And that's going to be the end of it. And then Cujo will come and attack them. <laughs> it's not quite a, a pinto uh, of, of our uh, Cujo film. But Justin Long gets out. And we don't spend any time doing that. He's just out. He, he, jump, he jumps to the window. It's a jump scare, whatever. They're out of there. They go to this diner. Do you not get the fucking impression that everyone here is in on it? Immediately, yes. But because you get that impression walking into any backwoods diner as a stranger, right? These two people jump into this fucking diner, say, they're like panicked. They're just, they're fucking fucked up. We need help. Call the police. And everyone just, no one reacts. No one says anything. Everyone just kind of stares at you. And I'm like, oh yeah, they, they definitely know this is going on. That's how it's reading. That's how this scene reads. Uh, partially, but having walked into places very, very similar and getting really crappy treatment like this. Have you ever walked into a diner in the middle of nowhere saying, I need police help me for the love of God? No, but I've walked into a diner in the middle of nowhere and asked if they had iced tea and gotten the exact same fucking reaction I'm getting from these fucking people, so... I think that call the police help and I need iced tea are <laughs> two different levels. Not in these places, they're not. Because you're a stranger walking in and talking words... And you get the same reaction. I do like the look Trish gives everyone, which is sort of like a what the fuck are you looking at kind of look. And everyone goes back to their meal eventually. But at Mm -hmm. first, everyone is just all eyes on these alien interlopers. And then the phone starts ringing. It does. And it rings and it rings until a local says, aren't you going to get that? Which I love the creepiness of it. It's weird. It's weird. And, and, And it's good. It's creepy. But again... It makes it seem like they're expecting that phone to ring. And they're absolutely traumatized. We have to mention Justin Long is... So scared. So fucking scared. He hardly has words. He's hardly explained to Trish what what he saw down there. He is trembling, semi-mute, and fucking terrified. His sister's having to call the shots, even though she doesn't really know what he saw. But... So she is, like, taking an extra, like affirmative role right Mm -hmm. and he's extra useless because he's fucking terrified she answers the phone and it's this old lady asking if she's seen the cats yet so it's like what the fuck you know i don't know why she didn't just hang up and start calling the cops or tell the person on the other end of the phone to call the cops but she probably wouldn't have anyway this is our psychic person who is asking them if they've seen the cats yet and telling them we i see you with a, a bunch of cats and then she mentions dairy and she's like what the fuck how do you know dairy so dairy grabs the phone and the person on the other end knows immediately who they're talking to can describe the looks of them the tattoo on his belly the rip on his shirt what has just happened to him asks again if they've seen the if they've met the cats yet which is just fucked up and all the while they're very confusedly yelling what who is this because it's a very confused scene and you have all the local yokels sort of looking on and camera goes back and forth between all of these things the only hint we get of who's on the other end of the phone aside from it's a female voice is they go to the interior shot and she says here you need to listen to this and she's listening to jeepers creepers 
on vinyl and holds the phone up to the speaker mm -hmm. and says, when you hear this song, run, that she hears one of them screaming in the dark. And that's basically all the information I get from this freak. I like this. Wes is shaking his head no. So, gang. The inclusion of this character has a very specific function, narratively speaking. I have no problem with the function, narratively speaking. And I have no problem accepting the fact that there is a psychic character in this world. Because when we find out what our good friend the Creeper is, we are basically opening ourselves up to anything can exist in this world. It is the, it is the tact on inclusion of her scenes... It is the frustrating way in which they deliver dialogue. The, it, it is the fact that she is trying to help these people, but in the least communicative way possible. It's like shouting disjointed individual images at people from a person who has had this ability her entire life. So maybe... Like shouting things. Have you seen the cats? You have a tattoo. This thing is gonna like Japers Creepers. It's just like, what are you talking about? And 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 like Justin Long's character is super wigged out and afraid, so he's not really making any sense. The person who should be the calmest in this sequence is the is one of the most irrational. And just barking different fucking shit at people, not making any sense, not and so, like, it makes no fucking sense, narratively speaking. It is one of the, like, if you need to do a library scene and get information about what this creature is, and this is where we learn that the creeper might not be human because it is being referred to as a demon or a devil. Uh, some people are like, what's the difference? There's a difference. It's, like, it, it, we're getting a sense that this thing is more than just some backwoods, Wolf Creek-style killer what we're dealing with here might be something that we cannot even comprehend. And we get the sense that, does she drop the 23 years Yeah, I was thing? just going to ask you. I don't remember if it's here I'm, or when they meet face-to-face. -face, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in this conversation. It's every 23. It's like he's like a... 23rd spring for 23 days he gets to feed. Yeah, it's like a cicada, almost. Yeah. And so you think, is this a big bug man? Uh yeah, I have a whole Bugman theme song that just wrote itself in my head. Great, thanks. <laughs> Complete with well, a like, horn section. Well, well like I'm wondering if, it, like, when you're first watching, it's like, so he's, is he like a mimic? Is it like the big roaches, or like what is it? Is he a big Bugman? That's what I. You yeah, know. yeah. The 2001 West would have been like Bugman, but and so this scene itself, I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. I love it though because the the, the creeper needs a Van Helsing already. Right? Okay. That she. He, she plays that role to yeah. me. And I'm also, uh, if we're going to go and talk about Stephen King a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, is it Mother Teresa, I think, is the name of the character in The Stand, who plays this psychic role. Mm -hmm. Although she plays a psychic role that you're wishing for, that very calm, collected person who's going to explain, this is what I'm seeing, this is all the information I have, in a very calm, collected manner, so as to not freak you out any further when she's telling you you're fucking doomed. But this person is only getting this very limited information and is just as scared as the people she's envisioning. And to have that contact, sure, she's had this ability all of her life, but I highly doubt that she's 
had the sense of urgency attached to it before. You know, something other than like, oh, I, I saw when I woke up this morning that this man would smash all his milk bottles and now I'm walking and there's a man with milk bottles. Oh, he smashed them. You know, like what, what sort of sense of urgency are you going to really attach to that? Nothing like the fact that the creeper has risen this spring and is hunting these kids and she might have a chance to help them or save them. And she only has this very limited information and she doesn't seem to be very social. So I got to give her a little bit. What I'm, I'm specifically looking for is Zelda Rubens from Poltergeist. That's what I want. Oh, like, like someone to show up and give long expository scenes in a creepy voice. I also There's... find, sorry, but I, I've got to say, I don't want another film to just follow the formula. But like this is not even, I, if this was just like, well, this is going against the grain. That's fine. It's doing it badly. Like, I don't think it is, though. I absolutely think it's horrible. Like, I think her dialogue is horrible. I think, like, it's confusing. It's fucking disjointed. It seems tacked on. It seems like a script was written and this was added later. Like, there's a million different ways that this character could be introduced with exposition without her being a psychic or without her being so fucking irrationally crazy. If she is an older woman of her 40s or 50s, this, she could have a, a like, this, she could be aware of the fact that this thing existed like every 23, uh, the 23rd spring for 23 days feeds and then goes away. And in this area, it has all those bodies down there and that people aren't aware that this thing exists is insane to me. So fine, have a character that is absolutely aware that this creature exists and don't have like everyone seem to have like a 23 year amnesia where dozens, if not more people go missing and they're like, well, I don't know. And then like, so she could have a connection to this thing by like a family member got taken in the same way we establish how this creature eats and what it does so there's no reason why she couldn't have directly encountered this guy before and not have been killed um she could i don't know the entire country of russia believed they didn't have serial killers for about that same length of time when andre chikatilo was off basically killing and eating little boys so an entire nation was convinced they don't have serial killers i can see how a community would convince themselves they don't have a, a winged creature that rises like Spring Hill Jack every 23 years. <laughs> like, I think that, and, and believe me, like, this sequence is not as egregious. Like, I'm coming down hard in this scene because I come down incredibly hard at the end. You're getting full frontal west this time. We're guys. getting full frontal west, and I'm sorry. It, like, and, and, and like, if, 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 if you like this character and you like this scene and, and you think that this character works for the narrative, I'm fine. Maybe it's me. That's but, because like, me, that's why me and Wes can be friends because I think this character works for the scene. I like this character. I love the inclusion. I love the writing here. I love the direction. I like the way it takes the story. I love everything about it. And we're still smiling. Yeah, we're smiling. Yeah. Like, obviously, I respect you and... And, uh, and and you're an amazing storyteller. So like, if you think there's merit in this, I'll be like, all right, fine. There's maybe there's merit in it. I'm just saying that it does not work for me. And and, and maybe it's because I cannot stand. One of my personal pet peeves in life is when I feel people aren't listening to me, and I don't like being shouted at. So like when I have when I'm watching characters just like shouting, getting nowhere with each other, it drives me crazy. What what are you talking about? And she just keeps saying things. I'm like, you have to know that what you're saying doesn't make any sense. I think I like that feeling in film though. Oh, I can't stand it. Oh, I can't I fucking stand it. I love being unsettled. I love being put in positions I wouldn't be able to get out of or be able to comprehend entirely. So I love the confusion in the scene, especially since I've been sort of lulled from the get-go, from the opening scene to now. It's been very Lydia land. It's been mm -hmm. all things I'm very used to and things that I've seen in my own life, things that I've encountered, decisions I've made, decisions I agree with. And then all of a sudden they're plunged into 
uh, icky old bar that's on side roads somewhere in the back country, somewhere I don't like to be to begin with. And uh, they have to have a conversation on a telephone, which is something I absolutely <laughs> abhor uh, with a screaming person that makes no sense that in customer service I deal with on a daily basis. And don't like so i like the, i like these things i don't like it might be the fact that at this point in the film we're descending into a different genre of horror that yeah. the first movie isn't isn't yeah. is not yeah and this sequence it like when i see a sequence in a film where i'm like well this doesn't need to be here like because we're going to encounter a character i'm like well there's your character that knows something if we didn't have this scene and we didn't have you know I, I, there is a point you'll make later that i agree with because surprise we talked about this before we started recording yeah but without this character it wouldn't take the same steps that it takes and we wouldn't have the inclusion of the song so why even call this film jeepers creepers why even call the killer the creeper would it just be that they get turned away from here call the cops or the cops don't believe them or don't come out or the cops get killed and then they get killed and that's the end of the story i'm bored by that i'm just bored even thinking it through uh because that could be any film so i like that they take this into a different angle even though it goes from like exploitation to david lynch territory in the blink of an eye it does change genre almost for the third act all over oh again. Oh my god, yeah, and yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. <laughs> yes, we will. So we spent way too much time bitching with Psychic. We did, and and, and I'm sorry, guys. Like, If you like the character, uh, tell me I'm wrong. Lydia's been sitting here trying to tell me I'm wrong. I'm not convinced, but moving on. The cops come. The cops come, and this is where the police officers, I feel, are unnecessarily uh, incredulous to the whole fucking thing, but I, I was like, alright, fine, whatever. Does it lead you to believe that maybe they're all in on it too? <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah. They're like, alright, but try to take, the, like, like the, one of the cops is, is like, just try to look at it from my perspective. You're saying a bunch of crazy things. <laughs> what? A killer. We saw someone, we saw a murder take place. Well, that's a little far-fetched. Like, what the fuck? We found a room full of, like, perfectly preserved bodies. I was like, go there. And they do go there. And they find, like, a... a there is one sequence where um, I thought was quite funny, where the, where the, where the kids are talking... Kids. The, 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 the Our two main... Uh, Trish and, uh, Trish and Derry. Derry are talking about how... Like, oh, do you think that cop is hot? And she's like, I thought he didn't even think he was a cop. I thought he was, like, one of those stripper cops. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, he's a pretty good-looking dude. Uh, so we get to the sequence where we we basically understand the type, the level of action is going to be in this movie. The, and this is the first time where we see the creeper really act in a way where you're like, oh, okay. He's not human. He's not human. There's yeah. no way he's human because this motherfucker, in the same sequence that we see, and this is the second time uh, that we do this, uh, where we're looking at the cameras looking through the car to the back. The two characters, our main characters, are not aware of a situation that is happening behind them, and we see the tension building through that. It seems like that's what uh, Salvo wants to do. Um, that's how he wants to build tension by having characters not notice things that we notice. Yeah. Because uh, this is the third time, honestly, because when Trish is waiting for to see if an oncoming car is coming, yeah. there's that sequence as well. He does that, and he also likes to it's do... It's what you don't see that's very, very important. It's a very important thread in this entire film. It's yeah. what you don't see and what you don't know that's important. And, and sure enough, Justin Long like is cruising around the, the radio, and he finds a, a cover. A, an, the cover of Jeepers Creepers. An, an edgy... An edgy 
edgy hardcore cover of the edgy 19- hardcore? An 80s pop cover. 80s pop. Well, look, anything compared to a song that came out in 1938 is going to be edgy and hardcore. Yes, true story. <laughs> I stand corrected. I, I want to find a metal version now of Deeper's Creepers. I, there's them. no way in my mind that it does not exist. Yeah, there's, there's like four there's, or five of them. There's like a, there's a, right, there's a death metal Jeepers Creepers. YouTube is our gateway to every Jeepers Creepers cover that we could possibly find. I'm surprised I didn't look at it this week. But either way. Me too, actually. I, I was just thinking that. I was like, why didn't I find like a fucking... So he already believes a psychic that you hate about hearing this this song as mm-hmm. some sort of like precursor well, to doom. Like he believes her in that moment because at the first time he's like, what are you talking about? She's just spitting weird shit at him and she, he mm-hmm. basically hangs up on her because she's just like the cats, the cats, the tattoo. Rah. And, and, and then, but when that song turns on, he's like, wait, she said something about Jeepers Creepers. Like when the song Jeepers Creepers comes, he's interpreting it as like, when you hear this song, that means the creepers coming, which is an insane thing to think, but you never know. And sh- and maybe us as the audience are like, is that true? And he's like, one of us is screaming in the dark is what she said. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. they're instantly freaked out and they're having a bit of an argument over the radio and the song's playing when the police are encountering. The police are encountered and, and they see something's like, uh, we know now that as they're heading back to the church, the church has been set ablaze. Yeah. The entire place is engulfed in flames. I'm thinking to myself, how long and hot is that fire going to burn? There's no way that that fire is going to burn all that evidence. Like, like burning through like that many bodies to like, like, so there'd be like nothing left. They're pretty dried out. They're pretty dried out, but bone. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't take a lot to char bone. Really, truly. Not not the way that people think. It doesn't take a forty five thousand degree Kelvin killing to fucking burn bones. They burn bones on piles of things outside the Ganges River all the time. All right, fine. I st- I'll, I'll I'll hesitantly stand corrected since I won't back down on the psychic. That's fine. Basically, what the creeper has done is been proactive and b- torched his lair. Yeah. Because he doesn't want people to know anything about him when you realize how fucking invincible the dude is like i don't even know why he cares but um yeah, he could have just hung a sign outside and be like museum tours five cents. <laughs> yeah yeah because it, 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 it he he brings everything but he's standing on top of the police officer and he literally grabs a grown woman out of a moving car with one hand and she's just there's one of the police officers uh the his partner she's gone yeah and he punches through the top of a car pulls that motherfucker out produces a battle axe and then decapitates this motherfucker and so you're thinking to yourself holy fuck like what is going on here this dude he looks a little strange he got on top of a moving car going 100 kilometers an hour? Like he dropped from the sky. Like he dropped from the sky. like, really, how else would you get on top of that car? And and then to pull a grown woman out of a car, a moving vehicle with one hand, and then she's just, who knows, like, who knows what he did to her? We were impressed that he could just haul fucking carcasses around. Here he is handling live people like a bale of hay. Yeah, and then punching through the roof of a car and then producing, like, a fucking medieval weapon from his jacket and decapitating this dude and then throwing that head on top of the car 
in front of them, and then it causes like a little swervy swerve sequence. Well, and, like you would if a decapitated head landed on the roof of your yeah. car, you'd probably like swerve a little. Or and come and, 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 and incoming is like the most sexual thing that happens in this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, it really truly is, and I really love that this scene, and it sort of mirrors again. Um, a little bit of uh, decapitated head blowjob action at the beginning of High Tension. Uh, yeah. Yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a scene I really enjoy as well. It's not as gross as that. Yeah. Or maybe more gross, depending on what people's hang-ups are. Uh, hang-ups. <laughs> Go ahead. Because he French kisses the decapitated cop He does. Head. By looking at it, you know what? This is a beautiful shot. In front of this big billboard yeah. that says Meat Market. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful shot. It's silhouetted. And people are and uh, the, the 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 siblings are just looking at it like, oh my god! You can see the glistening of the tongue, and you can hear those wet, slicky little gross mouth mm-hmm. sounds. And just holding this man's head, and like it looks like he's just like straight up making out with it. Mm-hmm. It's sexy. It's pretty sexy mm-hmm. and uh, very strange, very bizarre, surreal looking. And then you get to the the sense that. This guy is fucking weird. Because <laughs> to be, put it lightly. To put it lightly, but not only that, but he seems to be ignoring them. Like it's weird. He's chasing them down, but he also tends to ignore those. Now we learn that this is part of his character. And so it actually makes it pretty scary, in my opinion, because a, a, a character that has so much power that can get you at any time has no sense of urgency, but also operates like an animal. So when he's killed these two police officers and he's feeding on one, and we learn why later, uh, quite soon actually, and he's completely ignoring the siblings. They may as well not be there. He's going to get them right after this. Yeah, I've, I've encountered like um, feral animals eating from a carcass and they do do exactly what this guy is doing. Ignore the other potential prey or the potential threat. It doesn't even matter what you are or what category. They get into like this uh, prey mindset where he's like eating this tongue basically in front of the taste so good meat market sign. I just love that. That's it's, a good, it's a good visual. so yeah. well. Um, when he throws the head, because he's finally, he does eventually finish with this makeout session, um, tongue eating gig. He throws the rest in the back of the truck. Oh, don't gloss over that. That is the funniest fucking sequence in this. Fucking and then when he movie. reopens it and tosses <laughs> it in. Like you have like this shot. Like, let me tell you, like this movie is kind of light on laughs. Yeah, but, this is the closest to dark humor you get. Right but here. holy fuck, does this make me laugh? Like I was watching this movie. And when this scene happens, I was howling laughing because he is in the back of the truck. He he puts the headless body of the cop in there, just tosses it right in there. And then he like very like, um, uh, like, uh, uh, probably metho- like slams the door. It slams it up, but not before he's like, puts his hat on like very, uh, like robotically almost like, just like, hmm, my hat's back on. My hat came off in this whole thing. Not having it. Creeper needs his hat. Now we're going then, back to work. And then he slams the thing down. He slams the door closed. Where it's completely black. The door opens again. Just tosses the head in. Slams the door again. <laughs> I love that. Thank it's you. so fucking funny. And it shows this guy. Like, this creature is sentient. It understands how to appear human. It whistles. It knows music. Yeah. It... It like 
can be kind of forgetful because he's literally, you know what happened where he's yeah. like, got my hat back on. Back to work. We're oh, done. Shit. Oh, right. The head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like the guy doing, like putting a head in the back of the car the way I try to walk out the door and I realize I've forgotten my keys. it's that it's that fucking shit and it's great and 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 honestly this sequence the chase sequence on the road with the cops and the head and this uh button on it this is a really strong sequence super strong and 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 if this is what the rest of the movie is i'm like i'm in i like this movie like i guess we'll get to the weird psychic thing later but for right now i like this and then this comes my second favorite part of the the movie Third favorite. I'm 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 quite a big fan of the first. Uh, the whole the, like, the body whole, the, and the tube sequence. I'm quite a, I'm quite a sequence of that. But in terms of like the middle road of the movie, this encounter with the police officers and the next encounter with the cat lady, I really think these are strong scenes. They look really fucking cool. The cat lady, like you point out, so much hatred for the psychic. But the cat lady, you don't seem to have any problem with. I don't have a problem with the cat lady, but actually, that's inaccurate. I do have a problem with the cat lady. My cat, my problem with the cat lady is that she and the psychic are not combined into one character. I totally agree with you. As much as I like the psychic as she is, why couldn't she just be the cat lady? Why the, couldn't she just be the cat lady? Yeah. I was, you have... So they encounter this house. They, they say, we need help and there's a part of you that thinks that maybe this is the person that called them yeah it's true it's and that's not... part of why we want them combined too but like there is just too much separation and there's too much similarity between these characters it, 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 it's very similar it seems like we're like i'm not going to say that we're marking time but we're upping our body count that's what the sequence literally turns into where i was like this is your opportunity for the library scene that i want this is a sequence. I'm where... fine without a library scene. I'm fine with the psychic being cryptic and shouting at them nonsensically. But at the but, same time, yeah. at the same time, she's cryptic. The psychic is cryptic. She's also divulging a lot of information about the creature itself, but not a lot of information about how she can actually help them. That is where the disconnect lies. Now, this cat lady doesn't give much information other than they're in Poho County. Yep. And she has a lot of cats. More than a couple. Yeah. More than a couple. Her babies. Her babies, and and because she thinks that like people have died, and she's like, one of my babies. She thought that they were talking about one of her cats, and and then when she realizes it's human, she doesn't really care about. It. She doesn't really have a phone, and she's very ornery. She doesn't really want like, she doesn't really want help. She she just kind of doesn't want them on their property. This is where we get our iconic uh, creeper masquerades as scarecrow. Uh-huh. Scene. And and one of the things that I thought was really interesting, and the reason why I like this sequence and why I like this character, even though I lament the fact that this character and the psychic character haven't just been combined into one fucking thing, yeah. because I think this sequence could have given the kids all the information that you absolutely want. Because this is how this strikes us. Um, and I'll get into the... You know what? I'm going to save... I'm going to save what I was just going to say to the end of the movie. What we I, get. I kind of wish, like, if they were to do this, I would have liked the somehow for this lady to be the psychic but not realize that these are the kids she's dealing with because maybe she's seeing them differently in her head and have the scenes similar to the way it plays out so that they could still have the scenes that they have with the psychic later in the way that they're having them because I enjoy them. I enjoy when they finally do meet up. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. So it would yeah. have to be really reconfigured to blend them. But again, I'm so stuck on like I don't see why she needs to be psychic. Like I'm I'm sorry. Like I like, like it. Okay, so Van Helsing. Yeah, but Van Helsing wasn't psychic. No, but that's the only way you can interject this kind of person unless you're going to have the whole town be aware and in on this. And which which but is another way to go. 
nah, I don't like that way because it's cliche. Well, I don't like the psychic way because it seems like completely, I have no idea what to do, psychic. That's it's, fine. It seems completely tacked on to me. Wizards. And amateurish. Wizards. It's It seems like that, literally, like yeah. you, you say wizard psychic, like, yeah. Like, I like <laughs> it though. I like it. It's unique. I don't, any other way you're going to fucking paint this sounds like a cliche story that's already been done. So I like this. So when I like when the this creeper shows up as a scarecrow, fucking with them a little bit. He's yeah. like, I'm a scarecrow man now. Scarecrow man. I could just stand here and listen to you guys talk about me. Yeah, he's like, Oh, you're not talking that's about me. That's voyeuristic. <laughs> I like how um the uh, animals seem to react to this thing being around them. Yeah. Very fucking like agitated, super agitated. Yeah, they all start to, to sort of whip up and mm-hmm. like meow and, and crawl around and get away and yeah, and and you know when cats make owner. those yowling noises, I find it really creepy. Yeah, and um, so this is a really good creepy sequence, which is why I like it. If the cats weren't part of it, I would have been like, "What's this about?" But the cats are part of it, and also because of the fact that the last time we spent time with the creeper in his own home turf, he had all those crows around him. It makes you think that like animals specifically react weirdly to this guy. Now the crows could be there because there is an abundance of death in and around that area. No, oh, the crows seem to be like his pal. He's like a little Tarzan, I think. Yeah, it's a, right. And so yeah. like I can't say for a hundred percent that the cats were angry that he was there, scared that he was there, or they were being drawn to him. Like, it's hard to really say. Or, like, because their owner has cared for them all this time. Maybe they just sense, like, oh, well, her time's up. Yeah. A bigger prey just moved in, and she's definitely dead. But we're still pals with him because mm-hmm. we're carnivores, yeah. too. She fucking pulls out that shotgun too sweet on that fucking thing because she definitely does not. That is not one of her fucking scarecrows. No, exactly, which is awesome. And, and like. Ten seconds to get the hell out of my yard. I love her. Yeah, I like how she's, like, she's, like. You kids get behind. Like, she's like, like I'm on your side now. I was like, oh, great. We have a crazy old lady cat lady, like, uh, as part of with our... With a big fucking shotgun. With awesome. a big fucking shotgun. She fires it off. It goes off like she hit a fucking tank of gasoline. And... But the creeper is nowhere to be seen except, oh, shit. This thing is now in her house. And she's like, what have you brought to my house? Or, like, what have you brought to my doorstep? Or something like that. Like, I forget what she says it's, exactly, it's, it's a yeah. It's a good line, though. And yeah. and because she, she's like, what is this thing? And I was kind of hoping, again, I wish she knew something about this guy. Yeah, because on one hand, you almost want her to be like, oh, this hasn't happened for 23 years. You goddamn kids, you done stirred up all kinds of old shit. Exactly, right? You can do but that type of shit. I'm sick of that. So I like her being like, what the fuck have you guys brought here? Uh, to prove again that he's been flying under the radar, no pun intended, for the past however long. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. So we get this thing gets into the house, starts fucking up with the cats. You assume he killed a couple of them. And then she goes in there, fires a shotgun. This is a fucking amazing sequence where she is still, I mean, obviously, as horror fans and, and movie aficionados, we know, yeah, she's. She's, she's, gone. The, she's someone won that fight and it's not her yeah um so she is now being held by the back of her head and, and he's bringing her out it's super creepy and dark i love it he tosses her away like a fucking heap of garbage because there's that split second where like is she okay yeah, yeah. is she alive it's hard second. it's hard to say but yeah but and then he comes out like he goes after them the kids try to get back in the car and then he stands in the middle of the road and and fucking darius is just like hit him yeah hit him Run him over. And so 
eventually, when they peel out and try to run him the fuck over, he jumps over the car like a goddamn gymnast. Which is awesome. I love that little bit of ninja yeah. moves that he's got. He, he jumps over the car a couple of times, but they do eventually hit him. He explodes in knives. Like, <laughs> like all of his fucking weapons that are in his coat get fucking hit. And then Trish quadruple stitches this guy. Yeah. Like, holy fuck. Forward, back, forward, Fucking back. right. What would you do? At this point, you're traumatized and angry, and he's done, like... He didn't do anything to her brother, but her brother's so fucking scared that her big sisterly hatred is boiled right the fuck over now. Mm-hmm. He's ruined her day. Mm-hmm. So I would do the same thing. Oh, yeah. Back and forth. Like, run it right the fuck over. Yeah, a bunch of times. Fucks this guy up. Now, the creeper, has his body itself seem, is uh, seems to have a lot of dead skin on it. We know for a fact that what this creature does, and I don't know if we learn it from this. No, we don't, we don't learn it just yet. But what we know is that this creature... Is pretty fucking tough, beyond tough. And we also learn in the sequence uh, through his injuries, he's got a fucking bat wing. Yeah, which is a beautiful scene. And it's yeah. so sad because if you've ever seen like a dying bat or bird that's been hit by a car or whatever, they behave almost the exact same way. So Mr. Salva, the writer and director, or whoever was seeing overseeing this particular scene, has definitely seen this play mm-hmm. out in real life with smaller animals. And it's done very, very well. You could look at it critically at the CG and pick holes in it, but which you know, I would. But you squint like... your eyes a little bit, just squint them a little bit. Yeah. Fuck, I love this scene. I love the texture of the Batwing. I love the sound of the Batwing. I love the fact that you know he's probably just gonna get up and be fine again. Yeah. And that's what it convinces you of. It runs him over a couple more times, or at least once more after the wing comes out. And then at least we know now that's how he got on top of the car. That's how he got on top of the roof of the car. And you're also like, what uh, the the fuck is this creature? Because it's not fitting into any taxonomy you have as a horror fan or a person on Earth. Yeah, we're trying to let you... It's like you look at his face and you're like... It's hard to say what he is. It's almost scaly? Scaly. Um, like, he, yeah. Patched together. Uh, he he looks predatory, but that could really mean anything. He's got bat wings. We don't know. The the cops say that the fingerprints on the on like got analyzed quickly quicker than any fingerprints have ever been analyzed in the history of fucking anything. It's true. And say that oh, that's like dead human skin is what's is what that was. And so okay, so his body has like a it's got dead skin all over it. What the fuck does that mean? What is that? What's the implication there? We definitely get a sequence that, like, we understand. I was like, yeah, this fucker is definitely not dead. And he starts to almost regenerate immediately. Not, like, fully regenerate, because there's a trick to his regeneration, which I dig quite a bit. Um, And then we're moving on, because we got to get to, we're going to go get proper help to a proper police station in the next county. Fuck this place and their Keystone cops. We're done. Like, and by the way, I'm pretty sure the entire police force just died. Those two people would probably Probably, yeah. And so we get all the way to this massive fucking precinct. It's like out at fucking Terminator 1. It's just like there's like 50 cops in this fucking place. And here we are with our third act and a whole new movie. (laughs) A whole new movie. It's weird that it all comes from the mind of one director in a way, and it's impressive to me because it hits these three different flavors so very well all in one film. I like it. It's like the Neapolitan ice cream of horror films. Yeah, but in Neapolitan ice cream, there's always one flavor you leave for last in the fridge until it's got fucking freezer burn on it and you just throw it out. Ew, no. So that's what this is. This is the vanilla of this fucking movie as far as I'm concerned. Really? Yeah. Really? This third act... Oh, fuck, I hate it. So 
we're in this precinct. They've called their mother. That's all fine for me. And then in coming to the scene, like a bat out of hell. No pun intended. Is the psychic. Now we know from the police officer's reaction, because I'm sure they've given them, I'm sure these guys have given the police a statement that there's like, there's been death, there's been mayhem, and we don't know what the fuck we just ran the fuck over with a car, but we ran something over. But it seems to be like they're just going home. Like they told their mother, their mother offered to like come and get them, but she's like, no, we're going to see you in a few hours. I'm like, a few hours? It's like, by the time you get here, we'll already be at your place. So, yeah. Like, so, like, so they're I, just done here at the cop shop and they're going to go. Yeah. That's basically what's going to happen. This uh, psychic comes in. Now, the police are going to inform us that they're, this woman is known to them because she has uh, been a police psychic. She helped them solve a, a murder. And she comes in explaining who she is. And they sit down and they talk. And it is the most frustrating bit of dialogue I've ever heard in my life. Because, again, face to face in front of each other, she is still not completely. Not finishing her thoughts, not finishing her sentences. They don't believe her. Well, one of them doesn't believe her. Justin Long's character is trying to listen, but uh, Trish keeps bumping in and was like, why are we even listening to her? And I keep thinking the same thing. Yes, because you agree with Trish and are the person that doesn't want to listen to this crazy lady who can't talk full sentences. But I can understand, maybe as Justin Long's character can in Derry, that she's only being fed X amount of information and it's overwhelming and terrifying to her too. I guess... But she came there to help, and she's not helping. She doesn't know how, that's all. But again, I don't buy that. Like, this this, this actor, or actor, this character is of a certain age. She's helped police solve a crime before. I'm sorry, the fact that she doesn't know how her powers work or she can't communicate her powers, I don't buy it. You've introduced things to this, like, this woman's age plus that information that she's solved uh, crimes I'm before. fine with her. I'm no, just fine with it. It's completely... Absolutely rubbish. Well, you gotta agree that you do like the scene in the jail cells, huh? Come on, let's get to something we like. Okay. Yeah. Scenes in the jail cell. So, uh, basically what happens is, is much like the Terminator, this creature, um, and by the way, the one useful thing that the psychic has that I'm pretty sure any other character that's not psychic could give us this information, but if they just knew this creature existed beforehand, was that what this thing does which is very interesting and cool, is that it cannot regenerate or perpetuate its own existence in a traditional sense. What it needs to do is eat specific organs, and then it will have those. So it needs eyes. It needs to eat eyes. It needs a heart. It needs to eat a heart. It needs a new arm or leg, which it needs because it's just gotten run over like 20 times. Yeah, totally. It's going to need to eat that. And, and, it doesn't just like willy nilly go body part shopping. Either. No, it doesn't. It needs. It gets drawn to you by your fear, and once yeah. it has zeroed in on you and decided, okay, yeah, this is going to be the kind of prey I like to hunt. Does it have anything I need mm-hmm. right now? And the way she puts it is like, then it will look into you to see if there's something in you that it likes, mm-hmm. which is awesome and creepy, and I love it. Yeah, it's very, very cool. It's a, it's a cool mythos. This is a cool creature. Yeah. I don't, like, Not only just cool looking and has, like like you say, a cool mythos, 
the places he chooses to live are cool. The way he goes about his things are cool. The personality of the creature is cool. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm into it. And I'm... now its method of hunting is pretty cool. Too. Mm-hmm. It's it's scent based too. It's like it's very uh, uh, adherent to smells, which is why he's a sniffer. He's a real sniffer. He like fucking like sniffing Justin Long's clothes, his dirty laundry and shit like that. And and people in the diner were like, he's sniffing. Yeah. He was just sniffing. And I remember. Like the this sequence in that in the going back to the diner sequence where because um Savile has like this tendency to want to show you like horror scenes where it's like da 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 where like the camera just keeps cutting at funny angles closer and closer or different shots and and it was like a car with the doors open with like laundry strewed all about I was like is this Lydia's like nightmare it's like dirty laundry everywhere yeah yeah it works on me man I cringed <laughs> and sat back in my seat. So nearly hissed at the screen like a vampire in holy water. So this um, sequence starts where there's a blackout. This thing knows how to cut power, knows how to because it's done it before. And the the police solution is like, well, we're gonna put everyone into lockup right now, and we're gonna go check the prisoners. We go downstairs, and this uh, the creeper has shed his coat, his hat, and we see him naked in a sense. Like uh, and with his folded up wings behind him, he's eating one of the prisoners, and it's a pretty cool sequence. He 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 looks like a gargoyle to me. Yeah, he you looks know, a lot like, like a gargoyle. Like that's kind of what he, especially with his stance, his hunched over stance and his wings and everything. Very very gargoyle. Yeah, the only thing that makes him very different to me is, is the fact that, and this I'm only basing this off like what I know about gargoyles from like the gargoyles cartoon was like since he can fly like a bat as opposed to glide only exclusively be able to glide because of his weight that's the only thing where i'm like how does how does his wings get him up like that well, he's pretty fit right he's pretty fit but yeah. I, but again he looks like he weighs about 200 pounds to me so like it would be his very wings are big they are they are big. The, the thing that if you're going to talk gargoyle cartoons he doesn't turn to stone during the day that's true yeah so he's a day walker he's and he has 23 walker. days he has 23 days so like that's the thing where he's like he's kind of like a cicada gargoyle yeah so yeah. he's not a bug man per se. He just has at least one habit that reminds me of a bug. It's a gargata. He's a gargata. So this gargata is, by the way, fucking impervious to bullets. I was like, wow, how could the car fuck this guy up so bad? Yet he can get shot point blank. And it doesn't seem to And even... I'm trying to think. I'm like, okay, dead skin and weird, like... Um, build ups or like it's like it's like so do big, you think thick he, toenails all over his so do you, body. Do you think his hide's just too thick to he get can, piercing damage you on can him? Fucking shoot through all that. Like I don't know. Are there any animals that are bulletproof? Aside from like animals that you need very high. Uh, ra- well, you like, shoot a rhino. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was gonna say. I was like, there's a rhinoceros. It's like you can't kill. You're not gonna kill a rhino with a fucking Glock, right? No. You're gonna get fucking ran the fuck over. But if you get like. Elephant shells with, that are armor piercing, you can easily kill a rhino. Yeah, for sure. And these are like SWAT team style gear that they pull out from this uh, yeah. pretty big precinct. So, like, yeah. yeah. They're equipped. They're, they're, they're equipped to handle equipped shit. They're equipped with SWAT gear. So, they do have armor piercing bullets, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if maybe it was armor piercing bullets day that mm-hmm. day or not. <laughs> but yeah, it does no damage. It doesn't do any damage whatsoever. It's crazy to me. Because, and the only reason why I'm confused was this thing got fucked up by getting run over by a car. So I don't know if it's like the difference between, you have a couple of thousand pounds of metal running over you, okay, but versus a bullet? And so I'm like, is it like just vulnerable to blunt damage and not piercing damage? Are we going back to my D&D roots here? Like breaking bones, though, because that's a, that's a huge difference. Like you can get a bullet through you. 
mm-hmm. and it's not the same. It's not going to have the stopping power of breaking bones. Yeah, that's true. But if I'm... any of them even penetrate him at all, because like that's the thing. If he was getting shot and I was getting like a, a dust trail through his body because he's just so withered there's nothing and, there like, the, like yeah. yeah and 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 he's basically just like an assortment of body parts and oh you shoot me in the heart i'll get another one soon uh, you know what i'm saying like almost like maybe the organs in his body operate independently of each other mm-hmm. so it's not like destroying one shuts an entire system down yeah yeah so, which which is a way to go that works especially when he can replace some piecemeal like that yeah. yeah, exactly. Through a really vague idea of well, he's eating it, and there, and then he grows that limb. So it's almost like he's getting just the genetic slurry that makes him be able to regenerate almost instantaneously. Because he's missing a leg and an arm, he eats those things, and now he has them again. And it's not like he has like a weird vestigial arm attached to a stump right now. No, it's a fully functioning. It looks like it was his arm his whole life. Yeah. So. When the police officers are basically teamed up to like fucking try to fire this guy, they don't really, they don't fire their guns at him nearly enough. There, there's a bit of a skirmish downstairs that we don't really see. The rest of it is Justin, uh, sorry, uh, Darius and uh, and Patricia running through this precinct with the psychic. Now they're trying to get information about what happens to them, and again, the psychic is just repeating. The same thing, and then when even when Justin Long is asking her a straight question, very point blank asking, she's her, not answering it. And it's which dr- one of us is screaming in the dark when we hear Jeepers Creepers? Because she keeps telling them that this is going to happen. It's all she sees, and I still maintain that this is all the information she has. But when she's asked this one very clear question. Which one of us is screaming? Which should be pretty easy to discern, although when people are screaming in pain, sometimes men sound like women, women sound like men. Yeah, it's hard to say. But from a look on her face, we know she knows because she looks at Trish. Yeah, she looks at Trish. and You hate this. I hate this because it's I wrong. I love this. You know why she looks at Trish, I think? It's because she's looking Change at me. Trish to say... I'm so sorry your brother dies. I know you love him very much. <laughs> That's what she's saying without saying with that look. Not that you know it right away, but when I first saw it, that look to me didn't mean I'm looking at you, Trish, because you're the one that dies. It's like any, miny miny mo. You know, the way I saw it the first time was like, well, that doesn't tell me either. That's only sort of pretending to answer this question for the two of you, so you don't behave in one way or the other. But that's but like that. Okay, so that point you just made is a fantastic point. Why is she there then? What is she trying to... How like If she doesn't want them to react one way or the other because the future is written, it can't be changed. She just wants them to run. She, it doesn't matter which one of them is, scre- is screaming in the dark listening to Jeepers Creepers. She needs them to run, which sucks because she's psychic, but she doesn't see everything. So when they're trapped in the building at this wrong turn, she says, I, I don't see everything like sorry they're like this is our way out and she's like sorry but all she wants them to do is run and get away right that's all she wants them to do it doesn't matter which one of them is screaming in the dark no like personally i don't care at all but like like because at this point in the story like i'm like i'm sorry this movie is losing me i don't give a shit about either one of these characters anymore Ah. and 
And so... You just want to see more Creeper. Yeah. Like, I was like, that's what I care about. The rest of this is fucking stupid. Like, I can't stand these cops that can't seem to drop this fucking thing because it's invincible for some reason, yet not invincible against a car. I can't stand this fucking psychic character. I can't stand these characters shouting at each other. I can't stand these two siblings, like, pulling at each other in two different directions. I was like, why were you so in fucking sync at the beginning of this movie? And the second when you start to panic, you can't fucking, like, keep your shit together? You don't even seem related anymore. And then you try to go back on that by having like this impassioned speech by Trish at the end of the film. And I'm like, no, I don't buy it. And like, and so like you have all of these things conflating together in this mess of a third act, absolute fucking mess of a third act where I'm like, what happened to this good movie that ha- what happened to it? I think it's wildly interesting. And I enjoy the journey coming from uh, a very simple and quiet, almost hillbilly horror countryside beginning to this, firefight for your lives that is happening in the upstairs of this cop shop i love this journey that happened in such a compact way like it happens over the course of mere hours it does i love that about this film but i i and i like this journey i really really do like where it ends up with the psychic and even though the second the cat lady are two different people (laughs) even with that (laughs) one small thing that i would have loved to see experimented with I love this journey, and I love that it's three different flavors within this film. A lot of people, I can totally see people hating the fuck out of this because it doesn't follow the formula. It doesn't stay within one feeling. You know me well enough to know that like following formula is not what I'm always looking for. I'm looking if you go against the grain, do it well. This yes. does not do it well. That's my problem. My problem is not that there's a psychic. My problem is that there's a, it's done badly. Like, that's my problem. I just disagree that it's done badly. I think it's done fine. But hey. They have, um, when this creature finally gets his mitts on Darius, he, like, digivolves. And his face, like, fucking spreads open like a fucking Dilophosaurus. And and I was like, what is this? It's yet another layer where you're like, I thought I had this creature pinned down. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting because I'm like, what is this? An implication of what's it an implication of to monitor lizard this it, it's, it's weird this? because like, like that would imply some kind of sensory thing because what or or is it trying to intimidate that doesn't make any sense like is it looking for a mate like, it's meeting preening this like, is his peacock like a peacock yeah yeah he's peacocking i don't quite understand what this it looks cool looks real cool i guess it's supposed to scare because it flares out even more when trish starts yelling at him so maybe it's yeah. supposed to be like intimidation when she's got her when uh, by the way the psychic uh mercifully gets taken out of the equation it doesn't get killed though because we also established that if you don't have with this anything that this creature really wants or needs it doesn't really feel a need to sniff you all around it'll sniff you to make sure like a dog and then and then it won't kill you cool i like it because to me it becomes uh much more like a force of nature like a tornado this house not that house Right, I kind of like that. Uh, I always love that shit in in horror, especially. So, but the psychic is basically gone, and so basically you have all of these cops training their weapon on the these pair, and they're not going to shoot. I mean, I get it. You have like a civilian there that's in its clutches, and it it's even though this is like a weird bat thing, it looks like a hostage situation. Yeah. Right. So they're trained to react in a certain way. And if this thing looks like it's keeping a hostage, then you can't fire your guns on it unless you wanted to kill Justin Long's character. By the way, they've tried to shoot this thing before, so I don't know. They also, yeah, know that it doesn't really work very well. And it's just torn people apart limb from limb downstairs, and they're very aware of that. Yeah. So Trish tries to appeal to this character in a, in a me-not-him type 
plead. Yes. What she wants is, is, is like, I'm just like him. I have all the same thing. Now, that interestingly could uh, imply, like you were saying, that they're twins, that they're and twins. that really would I would have loved that if they if all they're bickering in the car if and I don't think they do I'm positive they they don't and maybe it was one of those little lines that end up on the cutting room floor or maybe I'm just imagining shit if they would have been twins their little back and forths in the car and all that stuff would have really helped and the way that Trish is such a like a bitch. She could have been like, well, I was born two minutes earlier than you, so mm-hmm. you're the runt of the litter or something yeah, yeah. like that. That would have been hilarious. But then when she's insisting that she has all of the same parts as him, I'm like, that's a very twinsy thing to say. It's true, but I'm exactly the same as him. It could just be that they're related. It could just be the fact that they're both human beings and we all have the same gushy organs, more or less. Kind of, in a way, if you want to boil it down to that. But I'm like, well, there's lots of differences. You know, you're a little taller, you're way bitchier, and your skin's a different color. And I'm not that bitchy. Like, not you, her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a little bitchier than me. That's well, I don't know. Maybe I get pretty bitchy. I you do. Fucking bitchy. You do. Although, although my closet has a for penis, this and she has a vagina, and she has uh, correlating organs that that uh, to the fact that she has a vagina, fallopian tubes, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, labias, all kinds of stuff that I don't understand. Yeah, the labias are on the outside; they're not on the inside. Yeah, I know where they okay, are. Okay. I just that was the only thing I could think of. <laughs> Yeah, like uteruses and stuff. Yeah. All kinds of things. Um, cervix. cervix. Cervix, there you go. Yeah, that's a, that's one you don't got. I don't have that, no. Yeah. Uh, and testes and balls and things like that. And We both have urethras, though. That's one thing where we... Maybe the creeper needed to know It is definitely the organ that binds us, the yeah, urethra. Yeah, the urethra. That's where we see eye to eye. <laughs> <laughs> So this scene would have been just heightened a little bit if they had been twins and what she said about them having the same things makes sense because it's been established that he sees these differences in people very deeply. If he sniffs you up and down and he's after a particular organ or like say a tongue or something, he's going to check you all out, but it's got to be just the right one Mm -hmm. inside you we're we're not exactly sure what the criteria is but it's something he's sensing it since he's there's something that he senses he smells that is specific about the organ that you want it's this sort of je ne sais quoi we don't know what it is but it it's like baby when you got the right stuff you got the right stuff and he, he doesn't just ignore her. He's not laughing in her face by any means. The He's creature's c- looking at her and listening and c- thinking. Considering. Considering what she's saying, but nope. Yeah. And he fucking takes off like a real bat out of hell and flies Justin Long away. The cops sort of all rush to the window like... At least we can see what's going on. She looks up and just sees into the sky him flying away. It's a very beautiful shot. And and kind of heart-wrenching because she's chasing after them and yelling for Derry. Like, it's very, very sad. But I do love that moonlit creature with the bat wings flying away. Very cool. Um, that's a good sequence. And then, so we're getting to, we're just about out of here. There's two scenes. One scene I can't stand. One scene I like. Um... You are just so hot and cold. This film, it's hilarious. That's how I, play- I know you like it. That's I know I, that's, that at the end of the day, you like this movie. At the end of the day, I like this movie, but at the end of the day, I want more out of it. And I think that um, this is how come when uh, I don't have to like everything about a movie. And one of the things that stick in my craw, uh, narratively speaking about this film, is that it seems like three different people wrote the script. And it seems like a lot of things were 
molding into. I was shocked to learn that this is from one person's head, mm-hmm. because like, and, and I think that it really suffers, in my opinion. Anyways, this sequence again involving the psychic who's not dead. She says this. She says, "Don't listen to me. I'm just a crazy old woman. That's all I am." And I'm like, "Fuck." I get it. He's gone. He's been taken. And she knows what that means. But for... I know this character has been in the movie since the first fucking reel and saying, I'm like, help, cats, screaming in the dark, greet jeepers creepers, blah. This only strikes you because you hate her so much. You know, I didn't, like... When she says this line at the end, I'm like, you know, that's so sad that all of her life she could be helping people and people just think she's nuts. That's sad. Oh, well. She's nuts because she can't communicate. She can't communicate. It's a poorly written character. It's garbage. And then we look, we have this one scene where uh, Trish looks at this crow because they don't even know where to go. This thing's only lair has been torched that they know of. And it could be anywhere. (laughs) It's like, it's not like he got in his car and like drove away. (laughs) Like, what do you even... Yeah. Where do you start? Where do you start trying to find something that like, well, he took my brother and he just like flew to the moon, I guess. Like, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's the only hint they've got. Yeah. So she looks to this crow and you think, again, like so many sequences in this movie that you think that the way it's shot and is like trying to tell you something. Yeah. And it's nothing because we go to the lair, the new lair. In the warehouse, uh, what is it? It's like an industrial compound, of some, some sort kind. of warehouse, like an old abandoned abattoir or something, or like a light bulb factory. <laughs> it's something. What it it's is. all rusted out and it's all fucked up. I, and... I remember when I watched not the last time, but the second last time, I had an idea of what it was, and then I totally forgot to look for that again the next time. But whatever. Now we get a, we get a sequence, and it's basically we get some screams, we get some music. A little bit of Jeepers Creepers. A little bit of Jeepers Creepers. Yeah. The OG version. You know, I was thinking about the, this creature's like fascination with like a song from 1938. And I was like, you know what? For a motherfucker that is only cognitive for one month every couple of decades, this song's probably not that old to him. No, totally. Like, he probably like awoke one time in the 1930s like late 1930s, early 1940s, heard that song. He was like, that's a club banger. I love Jeepers Creepers. It's crazy. I and totally then, killed a couple that was parking to this song. Yeah. And, and their like, Model T. On Lookout Point. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have t- uh, t- uh, 23 years later, then another 23 years later. Next thing you know, you're like in the 2000s. And that's in your mind, it's just like, it's like when I think about songs, I'm like, oh, I love that song. And then I look up, it's like, that song is like 25 years old. You're like, oh my God, I'm such a grandpa. Like, I remember when this was on the radio. Radio. Like when they're showing Nine Inch Nails videos on retro time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was like, I was in high school when this song was out. It's like, here's your golden oldies. Yeah. Um, but that is, he doesn't really have that experience because he's got his turntable, you know, he wakes up every 23 years, puts on his fresh new tunes that he picked up last week in his mind or whatever. <laughs> and it's all, it's all new to him. So we're we're uh, we're treated to Justin Long. He's been stripped. We know it's him because he's got that sensual black rose tattoo on his navel. Mm-hmm. And uh, we pan upwards, and oh, there's no helping him. Yeah, 
He's where'd you get those peepers? He seems to be missing a huge chunk of his head, yeah. both in the eye regions. His entire brain has been scooped out, the back of his head is gone, and his eyes have been like torn out quite terribly. Probably just sucked a nod out, mm-hmm. I think. That's how that happened. That's how I'd like to envision it happening. Yeah, and the creeper has himself some brand new eyes. Yeah, nice brown eyes instead of those watery, weird, milky blues, the obvious cataracts and stuff. Probably from being like hundreds of years old or however the hell old the creeper is supposed to be. It's hard to say. Like this thing could be fucking hundreds of years old and we don't know, Uh, which is cool. Mm -hmm. I think it developed its fashion sense about 14 sleeps ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks like an old Western fella of some sort or someone on the outback or like someone from the Dark Tower. Mm -hmm. He's a gunslinger or he's like Strider from... Lord of the Rings or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then credits. So it's a really good, um, strong ending. I, I, I like endings like that where it's just like, oh, we're trying to help. And then we, we don't. Uh, like like the, the main character uh, dies. Post-credit, we do get to see that the truck drives again. Yeah. So he's back on the road. He's back on the road. Because, like, for all we know, it's like 23 days. For all we know, this is like day one. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So he's still got 23 days to, like, go trucking along. Which is awesome. And I at least we do know, like, fast forwarding to the end of Jupiter's Creepers 2, that a lot of time has passed. Almost the amount of time that has actually passed since 2001. Um, that the Creeper had a, a big sleep. And in Jupiter's Creepers 3, it's just going to be his whole next cycle. So he'll be all refreshed and rejuvenated once he refreshes himself and rejuvenates himself. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I love the end of this, actually, because it is a bit of a gut punch, I suppose, for people who are looking for uh, a true final girl, which you don't get in Trish, even though she lives, or a true final boy in Justin Long as Derry, because he doesn't live no. at all. He makes a great final girl, though. He really, really does, up until the point that he dies. <laughs> um, the the sequence is... Um... We lose a lot of the horror elements. It's horrific, but like because of how actiony the last sequence is, was another problem I have with the film. But the ending uh, is a good button to go out on. We still mm-hmm. have the like, at the end of the day. The reason why the movie gets a pass for me, even though I find things incredibly frustrating about it, is because of the fact that like like Salvo had a good idea with the creature, and I think it began and ended with there. And I think. Like, as much as I have some problems with directing techniques, as much as I have a problem... Like, just from a, as a, just from a screen direction standpoint, when I see somebody, like, trying to break the mold with screen direction and, and, and like, not caring about continuity and shit like that, but it's, like, artistic, I can recognize that. I've seen enough movies where I'm like, okay, this just... Like, there just seems to be mistakes or disregard for his own screen direction. If you're the writer and you're the director... Like, to me, it seems like things shouldn't be as messy as they are in some parts. But this movie has a lot going for it. There are shots that I quite like. There are performances that I like. There's performances that I do not like. But that is... Um, if it had that... been stretched out to three entire films, if you had the first act in this as a full-length full film that ends with the church burning, you would have loved it. Yeah. Skeet, skeet, as you would say. Yeah, yeah. If there was a second installment, Jeepers Creepers... 1.2 we'll uh-huh. say um that took place in the town where th- someone gets attacked and comes into the town and is like we need the cops and they're all like we don't like your clown around here <laughs> and like that whole thing happened and then the cops get tore apart and you see it has a bat wing and you're like what the fuck is this thing and then it ends with 
everyone running to the the police office. Or, well, I guess where would it end there? And it ends with them running it over and over and over and over and over. But then it apparently is is good to go and can rejuvenate credits. You would be like, holy shit, that's a fucking awesome movie. I can't wait for Jeepers Creepers 1.3. And then Jeepers Creepers 1.3 where it's like attack on the precinct. And that whole thing where it's cops versus this horrible creature you've come to know and love. If that were its own self-contained movie you would love it as well. I like them being smooshed into one. It's almost like an anthology in a way. It's filmed and thought out like an anthology, I think. All right. That's fair. But that's that's just me liking this, you know. Yeah. So what do we got next for him? Coming up next, we have The Collection. Mm. Nice and dark. A little bit of Saw style, not Saw at all. Saw action. That's yeah. what I always strikes me as. It's basically that. It's yeah. it's basically a hundred percent that. And again, my attempt to do some slashers that are not from the eighties. Joy, joy, high fives. You're doing such a good job. <laughs> right after that, we have Grave Encounters, mm-hmm. which is my effort to push in more paranormal because mm-hmm. i love this movie and it's got some found footage angles that i really I've, enjoy i love this movie it's been a while since we've done some found footage and it's been a while since we've done a ghost story yeah. let's fucking get back into it let's do some ghost stories yeah i'm pretty excited about that yeah. after this you know this dragging you through this fucking stephen king extravaganza mm-hmm. as we have which i hope was enjoyable anyway for our listeners mm-hmm. it seems that everyone enjoyed the 1408 and then kudos curdling like warm milk as we speak <laughs> like well it's true i can't wait till like this fucking that episode is far enough away from us that we're not talking about fucking curdled milk like three episodes <laughs> yum uh maximum overdrive mm-hmm was so super fun so that was all fun and to end it on jeepers creepers like this is fun to me too because it's just mm-hmm. another little bit of time spent in the countryside in the cornfields mm-hmm. yeah and on that note i'm les knight and i'm typical lydia and you've been listening to dead air <laughs>